So First Republic Bank is now the second largest bank in the U.S. to ever fail. It actually had quite a bit of funds. This isn't a small bank, but uh, it's causing some people to be kind of afraid of banking in general. What uh, What are your thoughts on that? Should people be uh, curious about how well banks work? Yeah, they ought to be curious about how banks work. I think the thing to take away from this, though, is that First Republic was really different in terms of how it operated and what what it was trying to achieve. So it really doesn't have a big implication for most banks in the country. And I really think that uh, people need to understand that and not panic because they had a they they were they were playing a game that was substantially different from what most banks are playing. That's what I've heard that they were kind of different. And then we also saw with Silicon Valley Bank they were kind of specialized. Uh, for people who really don't know how banks work, including me, you know, what's the difference between these different banks like First Republic and Silicon Valley, and then a normal bank like a Wells Fargo or a Truist or a J.P. Morgan Chase? Yeah, sure. Well, every bank basically is taking deposits from people and then lending them out to other, uh, either other people or they're investing them in things like government bonds or other types of of bonds and securities. So the the difference between the Silicon Valley Bank and the First Republic and other normal banks was really two things. Number one, <clears throat> these uh, the First Republic and Silicon Valley Bank tried to uh, get people to deposit and hold lots and lots of extra deposits at the banks. Um, First Republic in particular was highly dependent on a really small group of depositors relative to other banks. And what they did was they tried to get people to agree to leave their deposits in, and, and in some cases they made it a condition of getting a loan. If you want a loan from my my, my bank, they said you need to hold a, a big pile of deposits. That was easy for First Republic because they were ma- mainly in the business of giving mortgages to really wealthy people. Uh, and so what they did was they said, well, if you want a line of credit or a, or a mortgage from us, you've got to hold you know this much deposits or else we'll raise your, your mortgage rate. So so they, they were really playing this game where they were concentrating all these uh, deposits, and then they were uh, in, in investing them either in the case of First Republican mortgages or in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, they're investing in government bonds. And what they're really trying to do is uh, uh, benefit from the difference between the interest rates they were earning on their investments and the interest, the very, very low interest rates they were paying on the deposits. But in both cases, they were they had basically they, they used a combination of, of uh, agreements and kind of uh, arm twisting to get people to deposit more than they normally would in the bank and then to leave it there. Is that kind of arm twisting legal? Uh, you know, as long as it's 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 kind of like more like moral suasion, and and uh, the way the First Republic did it was they they promised really high levels of customer service. Um, in in uh, in general banking, there's uh, this practice known as compensating uh, compensating balances, uh, which we usually see in business lending, where the bank will say, you know, if you want to get a loan from us, you have to have a uh, leave a, a certain amount of deposits in the bank. That's actually legal, and it's actually fairly common practice. You don't see that as much. In the, at the retail level, but you know it's really you really can't get a loan from a bank unless you have a deposit there. There are a couple of good reasons from that. One is that banks learn about your creditworthiness from observing how your deposit balances behave, uh, and then uh, they also want you to have a deposit there, so it makes it easier for you to pay the loan back. So there are good reasons for banks to want you to have deposits at the bank. It's not such a common thing for the banks to really require you to have certain minimum balances uh, as part of the loans. I mean, that makes logical sense. Uh, what we have seen recently are the you – know, I've seen this written and uh, said in the news that uh, there was a rush on the bank. There was a bank rush, and that's what really got these banks into trouble. What is a bank rush, and how's, uh, how's that caused? 
Yeah, so so this is it's really interesting because it really was a return of these kind of classic bank runs that we kind of associate with the Great Depression. Uh, in the case of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic, it was easier because, like I said, they had a small, relatively small group of depositors. And in this case, um, you know, there are people who are really well connected uh, via the via social media. And one of the things that is really different about now is that. Social media rumors are spreading and creating a lot of panic among a small group of people, and it's so easy to take your deposits out of the bank these days. You can do it you know, using your, using your mobile phone, using your, your bank app. So between those two things, we're really seeing an increased vulnerability to these, uh, to these runs. It's, really, it's, the, it's the 21st century version of the, of the classic depression bank run. Uh, and so that's something that we really need to pay attention going forward. And that's why it's even more important that people understand the difference between the First Republics and the Silicon Valleys and the normal banking that, that, they're, that they're doing with you know, the Truists and the J.P. Morgan Chases.